Well, here we are in week number seven of our series, Teach Us to Pray. Man, we want to be a church that doesn't just pray, but we are people of prayer. We want the, the people of God and the church of God to be a house of prayer. And so we're asking God, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And so we've been working through the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, uh, also Luke chapter 11. We've been working through that phrase by phrase. Uh, we've learned that prayer is about presence, coming into the presence of God. Prayer is rooted in relationship. It's, it's rooted in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Um, that prayer is about adoration and all. It's, it's, it's a result of, of worship. It's a posture of worship that we take when we come to God in prayer. Prayer is about submission. It's about His kingdom and His will, not our own. So prayer is about submission. Prayer is about dependence. Give us this day our daily bread. God, we have needs, and we realize that our provision comes from You. And so we, we depend on You. We need You. In the last week, we, pro- we saw that prayer should be our response to calamity. You know, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people who are called by my name humble, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. God makes us this promise that if we humble ourselves, that when calamity comes, adversity comes, prayer to God, humbling ourselves and praying and seeking His face and turning from our wicked ways, that that should be our first response to calamity, not our last resort. That when we do, God promises He will hear and He will forgive and He will heal. So prayer, man, such a powerful thing in our life. And we want to tap into what God has given us the privilege and the opportunity to exercise. This is this, this thing of prayer, this communication, this dialogue with God. As we move into this week, you know, I've said it week after week that every single phrase of the Lord's Prayer is essentially a prayer unto itself. And so this week, the prayer that we are, are diving into in Matthew chapter 6 is all about forgiveness. It's all about forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a big, important theological term. It's a big term in the Christian life and the scriptures. And a lot of times when we think of forgiveness, we think about being forgiven of our sins. Okay, here, here is, is what we're talking about, that we recognize that we are sinners, that we have sinned against a holy, perfect, righteous God, and we need to be forgiven of our sins. But we could never, ever remove our sins. We could never do enough good things, enough good works. We could never give enough money, attend church, do enough things to to. to to be forgiven of our sins, that we need God to remove our sins from us. And so because of God's love for us, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world, the God-man, God in the flesh. He lived the perfect life that we were meant to live, but we couldn't. And He died the death that we deserve to die because of our sin against God. He's paid the penalty for our sin. The penalty for our sin is death separation from God, eternal separation from God. But Jesus took that upon himself for us on the cross so that if we would come to faith in Christ, we would put our full trust and faith in Christ 
for the forgiveness of our sins, that he would forgive, that he would remove our sin, that he would do what we could never do for ourselves. That is what we think about when we think of forgiveness of our sins. We're being forgiven for the penalty of our sins. But when we talk about this this prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's all about forgiveness. But it's not about that kind of judicial forgiveness, that forgiveness for the penalty of our sins. Because when we come to faith in Christ, we are forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, future. Sins that we committed in the past, sins we are have committed presently and sins that we don't even know that we will commit in the future. We are forgiven of all of those. Christ Jesus has paid the price. He has offered us forgiveness because of what he's done on the cross. And so when we sin, we're not coming back to God to seek forgiveness for all of our sins, to to be saved from the penalty of our sins so that we could go to heaven one day. That's already been done if we put our faith in Christ. What we are talking about when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What we are talking about is kind of a a relational forgiveness with, with God. We're talking about maintaining our our fellowship with God. You know, for instance, a husband and a wife, if a husband sins against his wife, he doesn't cease to be her husband, right? If a son sins against his father, he doesn't cease to be a son. The relationship is still intact, but the, the fellowship, the, the quality of that relationship has been, has been damaged. Has, there's been a, a wedge driven in there. There's a break in the fellowship. It needs to be restored. There needs to be reconciliation. There needs to be forgiveness between those two parties so that those two could restore their relationship. It doesn't end the relationship, but it creates a distance. And that is the same thing that we're talking about in a relationship with God. That when we become a son or a daughter by faith in Christ, no sin, nothing that we do could break that relationship. We, we can't be unadopted. We can't lose our sonship. We can't lose our relationship with God. But our sin does drive, again, a wedge. It separates us. It breaks our fellowship with God. That needs to be restored by our confession and repentance Jesus Jesus has already done what needs to be done to forgive us of our sins, but we need to repent. We need to confess our sin and repent to restore our fellowship with God. And so when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that's what we're, we're talking about. That is the nature of this prayer. So forgiveness. Let's, let's talk about this term. It's a, you've probably heard this before. It's a financial term. It means to absolve or to pardon a debt or an obligation. It's like canceling a debt that is owed. So I don't know if you have any, any financial debts in your life. Maybe you have a car that you're making payments on. Maybe you have a mortgage loan you're paying on your, your house. Maybe you've got some credit card or consumer debt. Maybe you're paying medical bills. You've got this, this debt accumulated where you owe somebody something. 
you owe somebody some money. Well, I don't know if you've ever experienced debt being forgiven, debt being wiped out, debt being canceled, but, but it may be one of the most powerful uh, emotions or experiences you could experience in this life. To have the weight of, of some kind of debt that you owe somebody to be removed from off of you. You know, our family, we had a, a financial debt, a, a medical situation where we had a, a debt that was, was kind of a crushing debt for our family. But we ha had an anonymous family that, that, that paid off our debt, at, at least this, this certain amount that we had, um, and just wiped it out. It, it, it canceled that debt that we owed it went from this huge burden on our shoulders to being removed. That is what forgiveness is. That we owe something that has been paid. That forgiveness has been extended. Forgiveness has been granted. The debt has been canceled. To be freed of a debt is an amazing thing financially, physically, materially. But when we consider this on an even deeper level, we're talking about relational, spiritual forgiveness. This is an incredibly powerful concept that we, we experience and deal with in our life. And so this prayer is a big deal. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, there's, there's, when we look at that phrase, there's three things we learn. One is that we are, we, we all have debts. We all have debts. So as I said a moment ago, we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. We've all, we all fall short of the glory of God. God's level of, of holiness and righteousness and perfection. God is 100% is, is without sin and that is, is his standard of glory, of holiness, and we all fall way short of that because we sin. We sin, and so we all sin against God, and we all sin against one another. We all have debts. But then number two, we, 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 all, have, we all have debtors because everyone around us, they're all sinners just like we are. They all sin against us. They, all, they offend us. And so we all have debtors. We we sin against others, but we are also sinned against. That's just the nature of, of life in this, this fallen, broken world. What sinners do is sinners sin. And so we sin against each other. So we all have debt. We all have debtors. But we also, number three, is we have a need. Because we, are, we all have debts, we all have debtors, we have a need to forgive and to be forgiven. That is the reality. That's where we are at. That's what we are, the basic truths that we're reminded of when we, when we come to this phrase, this prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We all have debts, we all have debtors, and we all need forgiveness to forgive and to be forgiven. You know, as we look in the scriptures, we're gonna see time after time where either Jesus or one of the apostles or others talk about forgiveness. That as followers of Jesus, we are, we are to be forgivers. We're to be good at extending forgiveness. 
but, but, I, but I don't want to talk about it in that sense because we can go to any number of passages that talk about, about ex- being forgiving people. And we could do that, but here's, here's my fear, is that if, if you have grown up in the church or maybe you've been around a form of, of Christianity or religion that has, has made you, you white-knuckle it through your Christian life. In other words, you had to grab on tight and you had to, like, with everything that was, was, was within you by sheer willpower, you had to do what you were supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. And I'm going to do this because I'm supposed to. I'm going to go to church because I'm supposed to do it. And we white knuckle it. We do it because I've got to do it. Right? And, and for some of us, maybe even you're stuck in that now still, the sense of I'm, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do because I'm supposed to do it. And some of us approach God and, and our, our spiritual life that way. And so I want to, I want to steer this sermon away from any sense of obligation that we do forgiveness because we have to, we ought to, we should. I, I want us to go to the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel. Why do we forgive? How do we forgive? What makes forgiveness possible? And I want to go to uh, a couple passages just briefly. Ephesians 4 verse 32, the Apostle Paul says, Hey, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You know, and we kind of come into the middle of the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians. Paul is reminding us of who God is and what He has done and the forgiveness that he has extended to us, this new identity that we have in Christ. And then in chapter 4, he begins to give us some, some imperatives. Hey, here now, based on who you are and, and, and who God has made you to be, here are some things that, that should flow out of your identity in Christ. But he comes here and says, hey, because of who you are in Christ, because God has forgiven you now, you can be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, as God in Christ, forgave you. This is the gospel, that He has forgiven you. Now, out of that abundance of forgiveness that you have received, you can likewise offer forgiveness to others. You know, there's a, a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 18. For sake of time, I'm not going to read through all of it. I would encourage you to read Matthew 18, 21 to 35. It's, it's something that we know as the parable of the unforgiving servant. What you find is that some of the disciples are asking Jesus, uh, Jesus, how often ought we to forgive? Like seven times? Like that's a lot of times. And Jesus blows past that and says, no, not seven times, but 77 times. And he really wasn't giving him a, a specific amount. He was in essence saying, this is an indefinite thing. Forgiveness is an ongoing thing. You should be a forgiving person, not counting the number of times that you have to forgive someone. And so he tells us the story, this parable that exemplifies this, that gets to the heart of the gospel. And he tells a story about a master 
who, is, who, who has servants who owe him money, and so he's wanting to settle accounts. So he goes to the servant who owes him far more than he, than he could ever pay in multiple lifetimes. And it says he goes to him. I want to read Matthew 18, uh, verse number 26. It says, The servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. What we see is that there is this particular servant who there has a debt that is owed. He owes the master more than he could ever pay. And so the master comes to him trying to settle accounts, and there's a debt that is owed. There's a confession that is made. The servant says, if you, if you would just have mercy, have patience, I will pay you everything. Even though the reality was he could never pay it off. Verse 27, it says, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So we say there's a debt owed. There's a confession that is made and compassion is shown. This master who is owed this great debt, it says out of pity, he released him and he forgave him of his debt. This is an amazing story. This, is, this, this mirrors our story and our relationship with God that there is a debt that is owed that because of our offenses against God, if, if we would stack up our offenses or our sins against God, man, the pile would be a far greater debt than you and I could ever pay. In 10,000 lifetimes, the offenses that we have made against God, the sin debt that we have accrued, we could never pay off that debt. But that we are invited to, to come to Christ, that we would, if we would, in essence, fall on our knees confess our sinfulness, confess our need, that we would come to him asking for mercy, that the master would have pity. He would have compassion on us and he would release us and he would forgive us of our debt. He would cancel the debt of sin that we owe, that we could never ever pay that God, out of his great love for us, through the person of Jesus, has offered us forgiveness of our sin. Man, this is our story, all. This is the, the gospel, a debt owed, confession made, and compassion shown that forgiveness is, is granted and given. But what you see is that Jesus continues on with the story, and he says that that servant who was forgiven much went out and he found one of his servants who owed him just a little bit. It was maybe uh, you know, a couple months, two or three months maybe, or, or maybe two or three years at the most of, of income, of, of debt that he owed him. And it says that he, 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 he tells this servant to pay up and he begins to choke him and demand him to pay what is, what is owed to him. And you see there's these, these other fellow servants that are standing by and they see this, this scenario, this transaction take place and they're, they're distressed by what they've seen. And so they go and tell the master of this unforgiving servant. And the master calls back and, and the this, this servant that he's forgiven all of this debt. And it says, 
Verse 32, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And Jesus strikes at the heart of this this idea of forgiveness. Uh, this, This master turns around and says, I had mercy on you because of this enormous debt that you owed me. And should you have likewise in turn had mercy on this one who owed you little compared to the much that you owed me. And here is is the heart of the gospel, y'all. This idea of forgiveness that the more that you and I recognize, the more that we see and sense and understand our deep need of grace and mercy from God, the more deeply and freely we will extend grace and mercy to others. That when we understand how wicked and sinful and desperately needy we are, how far short we fall of God's holy standard of of righteousness and holiness, the more we understand the mercy that we've been shown, the more that we'll extend it to others. The more that we see our our sin debt that has been wiped out, the smaller the sin debt that others owe us becomes and the easier it becomes for us to extend mercy and forgiveness and compassion to others. This is the gospel, y'all, that we love him because he first loved us. We can love others because God has so kindly and overwhelmingly and radically loved us. We serve others because God has first served us and met our needs. We give generously because God has given us generously all things. He's given us his son. And how could he not with his son give us all things that we need? We forgive because he has forgiven us. And the more that we understand and get that in our heart of hearts, the easier it is and the more generously forgiveness can can flow from us out of our hearts towards others. But you see, if we're like that unforgiving servant who is unable to forgive others of a little bit, that means that we we look at our own sin that has been forgiven. We look at our own debt and we go, ah, it's really not that much. I'm really not that bad. I really didn't need that much help. I really didn't require that much forgiveness. When that's our heart attitude, when that's how we think and believe, then you know what? We really won't offer forgiveness to others very freely because we really don't see ourselves as in need of it. And so some of us, you know, the reality is some of us have a hard time forgiving others. But as followers of Jesus, we should be known for forgiveness, for forgiveness, not for holding grudges, not for remaining bitter, and holding on to things, not for withholding forgiveness from people, but 
but freely extending forgiveness. We of all people, as those who are recipients of grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness from God, we should be known for being forgiving people. But the reality is some of us struggle with that, right? Maybe you're on that end of the spectrum where, man, I struggle to forgive people, uh, especially in this area, or unless they ask for forgiveness, or unless they apologize. I just have a hard time letting things go. I have a hard time extending forgiveness. I am more likely to withhold forgiveness unless I feel like the other party has earned it or deserves it. And again, there is like this gospel amnesia taking place when we forget, we forget that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5 eight says, even while we were still in our sin, when we were so far from deserving it, when we could never do anything to earn it, God has graciously extended his forgiveness to us. He never has forced us or required us to earn or deserve his love and his forgiveness. No, he's always extended it freely. And that's what God calls to us, y'all, that Ephesians 4.32, that even as God in Christ has forgiven us, we are to be those kind of forgivers. And so let me, give you, let me give you just a quick thought, a quick tip, maybe a helpful thought. You know, when, sometimes when we think of our own level of, of sinfulness, you know, we tend to, to, to judge ourselves in degrees. Like we would go, yeah, I'm a sinner. I, I, I believe that. I acknowledge that. But I'm not a big, as big a sinner as so-and-so, right? He or she is a much bigger sinner. On the scale, I'm like, I'm a slight sinner or maybe even a moderate sinner. That person is a serious, heavy, you know, they're big time sinner. That's how we tend to see things. And so for us, we judge our, our degree and our need of forgiveness based on how we see ourselves as sinners. But that's not how God sees us. And we need to shift that perspective. And so I would encourage us this, I would challenge us to take on the mind, uh, mindset of, of the Apostle Paul. Here's how he saw himself. 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of a full acceptance. Here it is, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He says, you should believe this. This is the mission, the purpose of Jesus. He came to save sinners. All right, this is true. And this is something most of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you would go, absolutely, amen. Praise the Lord that he came to do that. But then Paul reveals his perspective or his belief about himself right here at the end. He says, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul said, I am the foremost sinner. In the King James Version, it translates this as, I am the chief. I am chief sinner. Other translations say, I am the worst. And so if we're if we're trying to measure ourselves on the scale of, of sinners, of sinfulness, of need for forgiveness, Paul, one of the most godly men to ever walk the face of planet Earth, said, I am number one. I'm the worst. I am the chief. I am the foremost of, of sinners. 
I require forgiveness more than you, more than anybody else. And our mindset a lot of times is, well, I'm not so bad. I'm not really that big of a sinner. I'm, I'm okay. I'm better than I used to be. I'm not as bad as he or she. And Paul said, I am the chief sinner. I am the foremost. If we would think the way that Paul thinks about ourselves, it would help us. It would make it so much easier for us to forgive others. Maybe you have sinned against me in a big way, but it could never compare to the amount of sinfulness and offense that I have given to God. So yeah, I forgive you. How could I not in light of how much I have been forgiven? I know you know this, but when we withhold forgiveness, you know, it it harms us more than it harms anybody else. It harms us the most. It poisons us on the inside. Hebrews 12, 15 talks about this this bitterness that gets rooted within us and it, 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 it lodges itself within us and it, it, it grows, roots grow up and it bears fruit. It bears the fruit of wickedness and sin in our life when we, when we don't extend forgiveness. It, it poisons us. And it, again, like I said earlier, it, it, it harms our relationship with God. This, this, our horizontal relationships, are always tied into our vertical relationship with God. You can't separate it. God, when he talks about, Jesus, when he talks about the great commandment, the first one is love God. The second one is like it. It's love others as yourself, love your neighbor. And he says these two, this, 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 these two things are the great commandments. They're, they're, they're interconnected. You can't separate them. Love God and love others. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, uh, Matthew 5 23 and 24, he talks about, you know, if you come to the altar to worship, to offer a sacrifice, and yet there's, there's, there's brokenness in a relationship with your brother, stop worshiping. Get away from the altar. Leave your sacrifice and go make things right. Go be reconciled to your brother, and then you can come back and worship. But you've got to reconcile. If, if you need to be forgiven, go seek forgiveness. If you need to offer forgiveness, Go offer forgiveness, but be reconciled to your brother because your relationship with me and your relationship with others, we can't separate this. So this forgiveness, y'all, is a big deal. We got to come to grips with these two ideas that on this side of heaven, you and I will never get past our need for forgiveness. We're never going to get past us between the already and the not yet you know, Jesus has come and he's coming again, but we're living in this tension between the already and the not yet where we're, we're sinners and yet we're saints and we live in this broken, fallen world that we're, we're going to offend and sin against others and others are going to offend and sin against us. We're always going to have debts and we're always going to have debtors. On this side of heaven, we're, we're never going to get past our need for forgiveness forgiveness from God and from others. And on this side of heaven, we're never going to get past our need to forgive others. Because again, others are always going to offend us. Others are going to always sin against us. And so there's going to be this ongoing, perpetual, indefinite need on this side of heaven for us to extend forgiveness to others. 
And this is what prayer is all about. It's about finding forgiveness and the power that we need to forgive. Maybe you're having a hard time forgiving others. Maybe it's, it, it's harder for you to forgive others. Man, the, the way that you find the power to forgive that we have in Christ, it's available to you. You may say, I can't forgive. You can forgive if you are in Christ because he has forgiven you and he's given you his Holy Spirit and given you the power to forgive others. And the way that you tap into that, the way that you find that, the way that you experience and receive that is through prayer. So prayer is about finding forgiveness for ourselves and for God and finding the power that we need to forgive others. Because again, on this side of heaven, we're never gonna get past our need for forgiveness and our need to forgive others. Well, again, I'm gonna end this week the way we've been in and every week, and I've been reading from this book called The Valley of Vision. It's a collection of old Puritan prayers and devotions. It's so rich theologically, spiritually, and so we're just reading a prayer every single week that I wanna to continue to encourage you to, to go back, go back to the sermon notes, um, go back to our posts we'll put up during the week, internalize and pour over and make this your prayer and I believe it'll help you. But this one is called the broken heart. Oh Lord, no day of my life has passed that has not proved me guilty in thy sight. Prayers have been uttered from a prayerless heart. Praise has been often praiseless sound. My best services are filthy rags. Blessed Jesus, let me find a covert in thy appeasing wounds. Though my sins rise to heaven, thy merits soar above them. Though unrighteousness weighs me down to hell, thy righteousness exalts me to thy throne. All things in me call for my rejection. All things in thee plead my acceptance. I appeal from the throne of perfect justice to thy throne of boundless grace. Grant me to hear thy voice assuring me that by thy stripes I am healed, that thou wast bruised for my iniquities, that thou hast been made sin for me, that I might be righteous in thee, that my grievous sins, my manifold sins, are all forgiven, buried in the ocean of thy concealing blood. I am guilty but pardoned, lost but saved, wandering but found, sinning but cleansed. Give me perpetual brokenheartedness Keep me always clinging to thy cross. Flood me every moment with descending grace. Open to me the springs of divine knowledge, sparkling like crystal, flowing clear and unsullied through my wilderness of life. And oh God, today we come before you humbled and broken and Lord reminded of our sinfulness before you God that the 
the mountain of debt that we owed you because of our sin, our sin debt, our offense against you was more than we could ever pay. But because of your grace and your mercy, because of your love for us, you sent Jesus to pay the penalty, to forgive us of our sin, to pay off our sin debt that we could never ever wipe out thousands of lifetimes of effort and good works we could never remove the stain of sin upon our souls and yet you've done that through Jesus and so Lord would you remind us of the abundance of your grace and mercy of the depth of our need for forgiveness the depth of the forgiveness that we have received by faith in Christ and so God would would we see ourselves as, as Paul did, as the chief sinner, that we would be able to forgive others out of the forgiveness that you have shown us. And Lord, I pray for anybody that might be watching or listening today, that Lord, if they've never confessed faith in Christ, that they've never come to you and just given you all of their sin, past, present, future, and just put it at your feet and surrendered themselves wholly to you, God, would you, would you draw them to yourselves today? I pray that they would be able to humble themselves before you and receive the forgiveness that you so freely offer. So God, would you help us to be known as people of forgiveness? Lord, for whoever might today need help, need your power to help forgive others, would you grant that to them by your Spirit? God, would forgiveness be the, the calling card of, of us, your church, your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.